0: The pandemic crushed a couple's big wedding plans, but they turned that turd into a delicious turkey dinner for charity. That's our first story coming up. Hey, hey, hey! I wanna march my
1: life away, dance like I'm Don't they say. The Daily Detour.
0: Welcome in, welcome in, I'm Dan Roberts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Daily Detour. It is uh, Built Wire week. Comedian Bill Dwyer funny guy with a great behind-the-scenes story from when he and Mel Gibson were both guests on The Tonight Show. We'll get into that. First, though, let's get back to that wedding. How do you, you know, you've heard the expression, uh, you know, polish a turd, which is kind of like when life hands you lemons, you, you make lemonade. But how do you turn a turd into a big turkey dinner? I will tell you how. First, let me introduce you to our young lovers, Emily Bug and Billy Lewis from Chicago. Chicago! It's my kind of town. Well, it's the murder capital of the United States, so maybe it's not my kind of town, but I do like the architecture a lot and the music scene and all that. It is it is a cool city. If you don't get shot and killed, it's wonderful. And oddly, it's the cold weather. It's I'm not a fan of the cold weather. I already live in a cold climate. I think Chicago is even colder in the wintertime. And so uh, more than the possibility of being murdered, I don't want to live there simply because of the cold weather. So that, that shows you the skewed lens through which I look at life. Anyway, Emily Bug and Billy Lewis uh, wanted to get married, so they were making plans to do just that. And by the way, guys, if you've never proposed, the second you do, this is going to apply to girls too, actually, uh, the second you propose to someone, you have just created a part-time job for you and your your bride-to-be, person-to-be, for the next year or however long it takes to get to the actual wedding date. And it seems absurd, like, well, why are you why are you asking me about flowers and and venues and this and that? Well, because you got to, because these places are booked up, and so it kind of is. It's kind of like a part time job. Just getting to that date, you could take time off. You you can rest when you get closer to the wedding, if you if you get all your your i's and t's dotted and crossed uh, early on. But really, I think we got married like a year out, and I think the whole year was spent dealing with wedding stuff legitimately. Anyway, so our pals Emily and uh, Billy booked a venue, a hip 60,000 square foot warehouse called Salvage One. Uh, They booked a DJ, got the wedding dress, you know, photographer. Everything's taken care of catering. And then the pandemic hit. And so, uh, you know, the first thing that, that happens is it's like, well, we need to move the date and you hope you can find another date. And then if you've already sent out invitations, you have to tell people, well, the date's been changed now. And originally they were going to have like 150 people, not a problem in a 60,000 square foot warehouse. But again, the pandemic hit, you're not supposed to have large gatherings. So they reduced that number, scaling down their guest list to just 50 people. And then as it became clear that this pandemic was not going to be a short term thing, they simply canceled their wedding. You can almost hear the tears from the bride and probably the groom too. Groom can shed some tears. In light of the situation, uh, mother-in-law, or maybe they breathed a sigh of relief, just knowing they they made a decision that no one <laughs> no one was going to change this plan. We're just canceling the big wedding, and you can't stop us. And then they went to city hall with their photographer, and they got married on October first. So they're married now, but a lot of the stuff they booked, they they couldn't get refunds on. You know that DJ that they hired? Want my money? You promised. Wedding gown, nah, you ain't getting that money back, even though uh, the gown has never been worn. The venue, however, agreed to put the money towards a future event for the Epilepsy Foundation, which Emily Bug has a connection to, so that's kind of cool. So at least something's going to happen on their dime in that warehouse, so that's good news. But what about the caterer? $5,000 they are paying for catering for their event, and this is where the turd becomes a turkey dinner for charity. This is great. They took the money and they bought Thanksgiving dinner for a place called Thresholds, which is actually where Emily works. But what they do is they help out uh, people with mental illness. And so people that are already, you know, feeling isolated and, and struggling with uh, mental illnesses and substance abuse problems, things like that, plus the pandemic, got a nice warm Thanksgiving meal that showed them that someone out there cared about them. So, not the wedding day, not the wedding day that Emily and Billy uh, thought they were in for, but you know what? Makes a better story, makes a better story. When you look back on that wedding day, you get to tell people, well, here's what happened. And look, oh, that's terrible. And they get to say, no, actually, it, it was kind of a blessing because we got to do this and make an impact on people. By the way, I just ate my last turkey meal yesterday. I mean, I'm not swearing off the turkey, but of all the leftovers, we didn't even have a big gathering. How is it that I had had turkey on Thursday, Friday? How is it that I had four days of, of turkey meals when I didn't even have a big gathering to go to? I think the turkeys in our area are suicidal. They're breaking into our homes and throwing themselves in the oven in an effort to make us fat. I think that's what's going on. Kamikaze turkeys. Are you done with yours? You done with the turkey sandwiches? Is there a point where you just can take no more? There's still turkey left, and you're like, I'm not doing it. Why don't you bring this over to the neighbor's house? See if they want it. Just go door to door. I just want you to come back empty-handed. Just take that turkey and leave. Anyway, how about some entertainment news? I want to live in Hollywood. A few headlines here that caught my attention, and they're not all good. I guess you start with the negative because it's more serious, and then we'll work our way to some more positive stuff. Uh, Laverne Cox, do you know, Laverne Cox, Laverne Cox said that she and an unnamed friend were attacked while walking through Griffith park in Los Angeles, uh, by a man who asked if she was a guy or a girl. And of course, uh, Laverne Cox identifies as trans. So I, I don't know if the guy really was asking or if he already knew the answer to the question, but regardless, uh, he attacked the pair, which is not cool. People should not have to be verbally abused or physically abused for who they are. This guy had an issue with who they were. That's on him. But, you know, he could have just ignored them instead of attacking them. So she says she's dealt with this a lot over her lifetime, but she says it never fails to be shocking. Cox goes on to say it's not safe in the world. I don't like to think about that a lot, but it's the truth. It's not safe if you're a trans person. She says we have a right to walk in the park. Yeah. So I told you the first headline, not very much fun. That is a downer. But I promise you the most shocking thing I will tell you today will probably make you laugh. Uh, And we'll get there in just a second. Uh, Another uh, somewhat serious story here. Kelly Clarkson uh, has been granted custody of her two children. That's the good news. I feel like as divorces go, this one's happening quickly because they just uh, filed, didn't they, at the beginning of the pandemic, finally got to spend some time with each other. And they're like, this is not where I want to be. Anyway, she's got a six-year-old kid named River, four-year-old named Remy, and she gets custody. But here's what the husband wants, $436,000 a month in support, $436,000 a month is what he wants. How's it feel to want? I want that too. Sign me up. I don't make that in a year. I could keep multiplying the years. I don't want to do that. I'll give too much away. Pre unemployment i I was doing all right but no I don't know I don't know anybody in my circle of friends that's making uh four hundred thirty six thousand dollars a month come on I don't know I'm not them I'm not him i don't know I don't even know what he does for a living we're gonna Google it but I honestly I don't know what I'd do with that kind of money if I got it rolling in every month you would have to start giving to charity in a big way wouldn't you because what are you going to do with that kind of money oh he's a talent manager Sounds like Kelly Clarkson is his uh, retirement plan. I don't know. So this story coming from People TMZ, Us Weekly, page six, just so, just so, you know, uh, I'm not making this up. That's, re- that's really just for legal reasons. I just want to cite my sources there. Not that he's litigious or anything. All right. If that wasn't shocking enough for you, that demand for that kind of money a month, uh, this is going to blow your mind. George Clooney, handsome George Clooney, ladies' man, leading man, George Clooney has been keeping a secret from us for years about his hair. And no, he's not secretly bald. Guy's older than me, and he's got more hair than me. It's not fair. He's rich and famous. I don't care about that. I just want the hair. But here's his secret. He says he's been cutting his own hair for 25 years, which I, you know... The bowl cut thing from ER days, I would believe that. A little Caesar haircut. I totally believe that he cut his own hair. And then ironically, people started running into salons asking for the George Clooney. Remember? It's, it was either give me the Jennifer Aniston or give me the George Clooney. And it turns out he was cutting it himself. But here's, here's the part that will blow your mind. Do you remember something advertised on TV in an infomercial called The Floby? which was kind of like a vacuum cleaner with clippers attached, right? That's how George Clooney's been cutting his hair for 25 years, with a Flobie. If you don't own one, and you probably were pointing at the screen and laughing every time, you probably sat through the whole thing just to get some jollies and thinking, well, what kind of fool would order this? George Clooney is that kind of fool. And you may have thought, I'll bet it doesn't even work. George Clooney would beg to differ. And it turns out you can still get a Floby, wasn't it? Like 1999 or something. I mean, it had those things were everything was 1999 that ever was sold on television. I don't know how they do it. And I'm being taken to com right now trying to get a price check. Can we get a price check on two? Uh, that page does not want to come up, but uh, what I'm reading here in the article is that the Floby system retails for $99, which seems kind of pricey, but If you could cut your hair with it for 25 years, well, that's a steal of a deal. Uh, Clooney did say, I saw the interview with him. It was on CBS Sunday morning. He did say that it probably uh, a better device for a guy than a girl. He made a point of saying he wasn't going to cut his wife's hair with it. Of course not. She's a lawyer. You give her a bad haircut, she's going to sue you, Clooney. No, she's not that kind of lawyer. All right, that's enough mock outrage for one day. How about we uh, check back in with Bill Dwyer? Comedian Bill Dwyer has an album out, uh, brand new, uh, dropped during the pandemic, dropped this fall. It is called, Am I Yelling? And I found him to be a super charming, delightful guy. And uh, here we go with some behind the scenes at The Tonight Show.
1: Yeah, with Jay Leno. And um, that was the the first appearance of, uh, Mel Gibson, after his uh, famous uh, uh, pull over by the cops and the uh, and the swearing and all that crazy stuff, yes. yeah, yeah, Mel
0: was a, Mel was a pioneer. Now, now that's all over the internet, from uh, just from your own neighborhood sometimes. But Mel was a pioneer.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Mel's yeah. the original Karen. <laughs> so did so you Mel- talk to Mel like in the green room or backstage or on yeah, the couch I think, or? I
1: th- think, I mean, I, and I, and I'm, I might be talking, uh, out of, uh, I don't, I, I have no proof actually, but, um, Mel may have, uh, was supposed to be on the wagon then at that point, but, uh, they did seem to roll, uh, a large, uh, a large tray of, uh, a, rev- uh, a rolling bar basically yeah. into Mel's, uh, into Mel's dressing room, uh, which I didn't <laughs> get
0: miniature so that, bottles of O'Doul's.
1: Not miniatures Mel. either, but uh, again, I didn't see what <laughs> happened. And Mel Gibson was nothing but nice. Uh, we had a cigarette with him outside. I've, I've quit smoking since. But yeah, he was nice. And they said, they told me, they said, hey, if Mel, you know, starts crying or something, you know, you're probably going to get bumped. Or we're going to give him an extra segment. And uh, when I started watching the interview with Mel, I, uh, I just saw, I was like, yeah, they're not bumping me. He wasn't saying anything. Oh you know, yeah! He was being, you know he was all, "Hey, eh, you stay on your side of the street, and you put your pants on one leg at a time." I was like, "I'm in. Let's do this. Here we go." That's a that's that's something to hear. If
0: Mel is going to, by the way, if Mel starts crying, you're you're bumped to another episode. At some oh point. Yeah. yeah, right. Because so you're kind get, of, I don't know if you're, are you, are you hoping he cries or not? I mean, I know you want your time, but at the same time.
1: <laughs> I didn't, yeah, no, I didn't want Melvin. Yeah, I didn't care. Because I did get bumped later on. Um, they were, uh, George, uh, George W. Bush was on. Uh, the, he was the uh, former president at that time. Oh, well. And. Um, Should have uh, kept you. What? I think they booked me uh, just in case because there was no way because at that point he was like charming and kind of funny and people had forgotten that he was an awful president <laughs> and he brought Laura on with him so oh, it's yeah. like oh okay so
0: they Here's... were probably the whole hour right i'm guessing um,
1: no they had i think they had a musical guest yeah. but yeah they uh, <laughs> they 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 dropped me when yeah. uh, George W Bush was on and i was all excited i brought my wife and one of my kids cuz we thought Oh, you know, I, I thought I was going to be in makeup next to George W. Bush. And we'd be chatting and laughing and scratching. I never got a whiff of that guy. They put up, uh, they put up black curtains, taped them off. Secret Service. And I said, "Can I just peek and see the uh, president?" And no, no. <laughs> I'm the comic. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just the comic. <laughs> Can you imagine
0: you yeah. just like, look, the rest of my body will stay out here. I just want to poke my head through the yeah, curtain. <laughs> I, I
1: just want to take a look. Yeah. He was in whatever makeup, you know, he did his thing. And then he was back out in the uh, in his town car and gone. And I was not on that show. Oh, yeah. well. yeah.
0: I've never met or been that close to a president. I was eating uh, in Seattle at Pike's Market one time and President Obama Came through, and the freeway was dead until all of a sudden there's like a motorcade going. I don't know, like 200 miles an hour. Uh, as I'm eating my chowder, and so that that's as close as I got to the presidential excitement. Really?
1: Yeah, I've never met a president either. Gosh darn it. Yeah, uh, you came close. Obama would have been just yeah, you and a curtain. Uh, Ob- that, the
0: only thing separating you was a curtain.
1: Was yeah, a lot of curtains. But I mean, they just yeah. Apparently they hold, you know, whatever, they keep these black things, these black curtains that they can just put up and, you know, so you don't, you can't see the president. Yeah,
0: it does. I mean, as far as uh, remaining anonymous, it does kind of call attention to oneself. (laughs) Yeah. What are those curtains over there? They weren't there before. (sighs) Now they're moving.
1: Yeah. Um, So yeah, he yeah. But I didn't even yeah. I never even saw him. Even never even saw him. Nothing. Not even close. So did you?
0: Uh, what was what was Jay like?
1: When I actually did the show with Mel Gibson, Jay came in afterwards, and and uh, and he said, "Hey, that was great. It was really funny, you know." And he and you know, and it was. It was a good show. It was a good set. So I was happy with it. So he said, "Yeah, that was really funny. Thanks so much for doing the show, you know." And then, uh, and then they come by and they say, "Do you want a drink from uh from the J Bar?" And they uh and they bring you a drink and it's real nice. The J Bar. (laughs) I like Jay Leno gets a bad rap. It's Bar J. Bar J from Bar J. Yeah, is that what
0: they say? That's yeah. Okay, from Bar J. Jay Leno gets a bad rap sometimes, and I don't know what's deserved and what's not deserved. But, I mean, I'll tell you what. he cracked. When I was a kid, he cracked me up with, with stuff. So I, I always watched him guest hosting, like The Tonight Show, or just appearing on it. And then, uh, I mean, he doesn't stop working. He doesn't have to work. Even during The Tonight yeah. Show run, he would do gigs in Vegas or wherever. and yeah. fly out to comedy clubs on the weekends. So,
1: and you would, know, say oh, what you yeah, want. He just, and Jay would, and he told me, he would fly to Vegas... Do a show and then fly back home and, and go to bed. And then, you know, the next night, do the same thing. Yeah. He, um, Jay, yeah, I think stand-up comedy was Jay Leno's forte. I mean, he was one of the greats. He was so, he was so excellent. Yeah. But uh, I just, I don't think he was a great uh, host of The Tonight Show. But as a stand-up comic, he was fantastic. Yeah,
0: He wasn't he a was... great interviewer.
1: No, yeah. no. No. He couldn't care less.
0: And and well, and sometimes he would chase. Uh, sometimes I would be like, oh, my God, just drop it. Like, you're clearly making the guest uncomfortable. <laughs> just move to, on. Yeah.
1: He was probably chasing the joke. And, you know, yeah. it's like that's not. Yeah. you Right. Because he was a stand up comic. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's so cool. I mean, that's a that's a that's a peak. That's a pinnacle for a lot of uh, stand up comedians is just to be that's the goal right is to get on the tonight show so yeah
1: yeah it was yeah i mean it's a great thing to do it's a lot of fun you know the little the star on the stage you know that's you know it's yeah it's it's tremendous
0: more with bill dwyer in the next episode of the daily detour we'll get into his uh favorite show that he's ever appeared on hint it's about it has to do with the robots and there. They fight and they blow up and stuff. (coughs) Battle bots. (coughs) Anyway, that's next episode. Uh, It is time to bring this thing to an end for another day. Oh, I know. But we can't leave without a confession. And my confession today is I've been listening to Miley Cyrus. I know. I know. You know, uh, there was a time. (laughs) I can't believe working uh, in pop music all these years. Uh, there were things I never thought that I would say, which is that I, I really dig Taylor Swift's music. There's some Justin Bieber songs that I like. That's as far as I'll go on that one. I have more empathy for the mannequins at Macy's than I do Justin Bieber. But, uh, well, that song lonely, you really start to care for the guy that sounds autobiographical. You know, there's not a more personal pop song out there right now. But Miley Cyrus, I mean, I don't know if I ever heard of her before Hannah Montana. Probably none of us did. And that just felt so manufactured, right? I mean, not just from the standpoint of like, we're going to make this uh, young girl uh, a pop star on a TV series and then try to spin that off into the real world. But the way they did it, like I had never heard a word about Hannah Montana and then one day it was just everywhere in the store, like almost overnight, anywhere you went, department store, grocery store, toy store, Hannah, Montana. And so I immediately had a visceral whiplash reaction uh, that I was never going to support that person. It was, it just felt so plastic and fake and awful. So what happens next? She she has a hit with Party in the USA, which let's be honest, that's a guilty pleasure, right? It's a catchy song. You bust it out on the 4th of July and then, and then you're good, aren't you? I don't know. I might be alone on that one. And then a little bit later, she comes out with uh, this song. Uh, what was the song? It's uh, "We Can't Stop" from Bangers, the album Bangers. And I was like, "Oh, well this this is good. This is and this is interesting." She followed that up with the single "Wrecking Ball," which is inarguably a fantastic pop song. That's a classic. That was an instant classic. It was an instant hit. In the organic, uh, legitimate way that that can happen. And then she just keeps taking these left turns. She came out with a song called Malibu, which I don't know. Was there even an album for that? I think that might have just been on an EP or just released as a single. But that was catchy. That was cool. And really sparse and acoustic. And like nothing else on the radio at that time. And now she's put out this album of rock and roll. Uh, It's still pop. It's still catchy. And there's still keyboards. It's still danceable. But it's called Plastic Hearts. And the guests on this, there's a few guests, and they're very cool. I mean, you've got Dua Lipa. Oh, big surprise. Pop star Dua Lipa is on pop star Miley Cyrus' album. But this is really a rock album, a throwback, influenced by Blondie. And there's a live cover of Heart of Glass on the album. Influenced by Joan Jett, which she's been hanging out with Joan Jett now, Miley has, for a few years. Uh, Did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, I believe, for Joan Jett. And they have a song together on the album called "Bad Karma," and it's good. And there's a song called "Night Crawling" with special guest Billy Idol, who sounds just as good as he ever did. And so this is a really cool album, Plastic Hearts. Uh, check it out. You know you can stream it on Spotify or Amazon Music for free, or you can fork over the dough, give Miley, <laughs> give Miley a paycheck. Uh, but it's really cool. And then oh, I almost forgot. During the release of uh, the first single from this album, uh, Midnight Sky, someone uh, took the opportunity to mash that up. They decided, you know what? Miley sounds a bit like Stevie Nicks. And they mashed up Midnight Sky with The Edge of 17. And I used to play that on my uh, Remix at 6 show on KZZU, who I owe a shout-out today again, by the way, for uh, allowing me to dig through my archives and play some Bill Dwyer archives, I say. But that, that interview is within the last... 30 to 50 days it's not that old but anyway so uh, I used to play this remix of uh, Edge of 17 mixed with Midnight Sky and that is on the album as well so Stevie Nicks is technically a guest star on the new Miley Cyrus album so check it out it's a lot of fun it just sounds good immediately so yeah I guess uh, if I have a confession it's that uh this is hard to say it's kind of stuck in my throat I can't get it out I like Miley Cyrus I, I know. I got to stop the podcast right there before I say something else that's stupid or shocking. And we'll catch you on the next episode of The Daily Detour.
1: You've been listening to The Daily Detour, a production of Basic Bits, LLC, hosted by Dan Roberts, music by Quickie, and I'm your announcer, Libby Wolf. New episodes drop Monday through Friday. Subscribe now so you never miss a moment. And we'll chat with you next time. Hi! Hey, hey.